It's time for Tim. The Tim Weisberg Show on 1420 WBSM and streaming live on WBSM.com and the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message through the WBSM app. And now, WBSM's big gun, Tim Weisberg. And good morning. Happy Tuesday to you. Hope yours is starting off well. Nice hearing Marcus this morning filling in for Bill. Uh, we're going to continue on with the great discussion today. And uh, later on in the hour, uh, later on in the program, rather, in the third hour, we're going to be joined by New Bedford Light columnist Jack Spillane. We, we pushed turning on the light to today, so you'll be able to hear that at 11 a.m. We'll talk with him about some of the things going on in the city, get his reaction to Mayor Mitchell's State of the City address last week, all kinds of stuff that we can talk about later with Jack. And uh, today, I, well, I guess now, right now, we can talk about it being arson at the Hawthorne Country Club on Sunday. Now, we all kind of had that inkling. And I, I know, I know, I know. I know I was saying that, uh, you know, it could just be coincidence. And I don't know that it's necessarily arson. And all. Well, I, I, I kind of have to say that. Because I didn't have any information to give you about it being arson. You know, of course we all knew it was. Of course we all felt that it was. Of course we all thought that it was suspicious. Uh, And I think that no matter what, when we find out what happened, it will be tied into the sale. I don't think, you know, I know a lot of you out there are trying to speculate. Well, it's a lot easier to burn a building down than to have it demoed. And then you get the insurance money and insurance pays for it and all that. I'm not going down that path mainly because, you know, that could get me sued, first of all. But uh, also, who knows what it is. A caller called in with a theory that it could have been somebody who was upset about the sale. So somebody who was uh, not happy to see that it was going to be turned into senior condominiums. Who knows? But the bottom line is now there is a reward for information that leads to an arrest. So... All of you, you know, citizen detectives. No, seriously, if you do have any information. Uh, Citizen detectives is an interesting thing. I heard a caller call in and talk about that with Marcus. uh, Well, call in and talk about true crime. And she was talking about how she got into true crime podcasts and uh, watching some of the stuff online. And I'm sure a lot of you have seen some of the documentaries that are on Netflix. Like, I, I don't watch all of the true crime, but I do watch... A significant amount of it, especially if it's something that, you know, is, is people are really buzzing about. And there are some cases that citizen detectives have come up really big in web sleuths, as they call them. And then there are others where they've they've done more harm than good. And there's there's probably going to be people that are in the fallout. When you think about it, like when you think about the fact that there are people that uh, become the target of some of these web sleuths that turn out not to be the case. You know, if you look at the original serial case and how convoluted that's gotten um, over the years, 
Uh, if you look at the Elisa Lamb case, uh, she's the person who uh, died from the official ruling was accidental drowning at the Cecil Hotel. What used to be the Cecil Hotel, I think it changed its name now, the Stay on Main. But there were a lot of web sleuths that were pointing to, there was, I think he was Brazilian, a Brazilian death metal artist. I know he was from Central America or South America, so it wasn't a, a performer that I was familiar with. Not that I listened to a lot of death metal, but I didn't recognize the name. But he had gone to stay at the Cecil Hotel, and there were online forums that had like pointed to him being the person that killed Elisa Lamb. He wasn't there at the time, and it was verified that he wasn't there at the time. But that he still became people's like pet theory, and so his life got ruined by it. And then you look by and by web sleuths. But then you look at a, a case like the "Don't F with Cats" documentary, and that's all web sleuths that figured that out. So it's an interesting phenomena that I think is, you know, kind of the it's kind of the driving storyline for a lot of these documentaries because even if they don't have even if they don't feature web sleuths and, and citizen detectives working on it you know that there are people who are doing it and you know that the stuff that they're putting out there is reaching the actual investigators so maybe it is inspiring them to look at a certain lead even if they're not crediting those people for doing it but i also think like it's irresponsible to put out information and rumor if you don't have verifiable fact. And we've seen that happen too much in some of these cases. But when you think about it, when you think about the jinx, right, which is kind of like the, the case that inspired so much of this, this new wave of, of true crime, you could call that citizen detective because the documentary filmmaker was looking into a case that, that nobody else was solving. And got a confession on film. It's still one of the most mind-blowing moments that I've ever seen in a television documentary. And part of me wants to say there's no way that's real. But I can't figure out how you, how you get Robert Durst to, to play along with doing that if it's not real. So if you haven't, again, I, don't, I shouldn't spoil it even though it's been around for like 10 years. But if you've never seen The Jinx, watch it. I think it's like six episodes, well worth your time. And it kind of set the model for true crime documentaries going forward. And I know I'm not supposed to talk about it, but I've seen bits and pieces of the upcoming Highway Murders documentary. And, uh, and I think that will do the same thing. I think that's going to push forward on, on the true crime genre just in the, st- in the style that it's done and the, the amount of work that's been put into that. I can't wait for you to see it. And people have been asking me if there's an update to it. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to just say that uh, Aaron Kaju can come on anytime he wants and give us an update on it. But it's very close to the finish line is all I'll say. But how long it'll be before you see it, I don't know. Whereas... We've got the writer strike going on. You know, Marcus talked a little bit about that. We talked a little bit about it last week. People are going to be, you know, networks are going to be looking for and streamers are going to be looking for 
documentary content that is compelling and episodic. So if they're listening, Ted Sarandos, if you're listening, you know, co-CEO of Netflix, uh, which I doubt he is. Although, I don't know if my friend Cheryl is working today over there and has has the, the WBSM app on. Maybe he hears it as he walks by. But um, this would be the perfect thing for that. Anyway, so there's that. We can, uh, we can certainly talk about that if you would like to. Also, I had mentioned yesterday that I was going to have a positive story to share with you. And as you know, I like to look for positive stories. And, and if it's not me that's writing them, uh, there's others here writing stories that are looking for those positive stories to tell. So it might be Phil, it might be Barry, it might be some of the Fun 107 crew, it might be Kate even, but we're always looking for positive, uplifting stories to share with you because it kind of balances out all the, the negative, hard news that we have, to, we have to report to you. And so there was a story that I posted yesterday afternoon about Victoria Vento. And Victoria is a door dasher in Wareham who was out doing deliveries on Saturday night, Saturday evening at about a little bit after 6 p.m. And someone had ordered tips and tenders from the 99, steak tips and chicken tenders from the 99. And I, listen, I like the food at the 99. I eat there occasionally, usually a couple times a month because it's right next to the station. Um, I love to get there. They Right now, my my order is almost always one of their two lunchtime chicken sandwiches. So, and those are 12 bucks, 13 bucks. So it's pretty affordable for lunch. When you think about it, like you can go out and drop 20 bucks easy on lunch these days. But I know that their steak and their dinners are a little bit more money. Well, on DoorDash, naturally, it's going to be even more money because it's, uh, you know, it's got that DoorDash aspect of it built in plus they charge you on top of that plus you tip on top of that so it's not cheap to get a DoorDash meal somebody had ordered tips and tenders and I checked on DoorDash it comes out to about $27.29 just for the meal that's before all the the fees are added in and the tip and all of that so somebody was likely dropping 35 bucks on their entree that's not an exaggeration that's probably about what it was so the meal is prepared by the 99 restaurant. Victoria, the door dasher, goes to pick it up. At some point in time, the order gets canceled, but the meal is already made. And Victoria already has it in her possession. So she's stuck with this and she doesn't know what to do. So she calls DoorDash and they say, yeah, well, throw it away. She's like, throw it away, or can I give it away? And they're like, yeah, you can give it away if you want, but we're like, we don't care, and we're still going to pay you for it because it's not your fault. So you'll still get whatever you were going to get for delivering the, the, the meal. I don't know if they give you less, or if they give, but they still give you something. You know, for an Uber ride, if when I was doing Uber, if somebody canceled when I was like within a certain distance of picking them up, then I got paid a certain amount of money, and it it would change like depending on how far out you were and while it might not have been the full amount of the full ride it was still better than nothing because you were making up whatever the gas was that you'd spent to try to get there and and more importantly you weren't going to that ride so maybe you collected you know four or five bucks for it but then you could easily just take another one 
right then and there. So it, it actually didn't really upset me when people canceled. You know, to me, Uber driving was an adventure. So I would just be like, okay, on to the next person. And I did it, you know, because I needed the money, but I kept doing it because I kind of got addicted to the weirdness of it all. Never know who you were going to pick up. And, and, and someday we can, we can share Uber stories from just my own experiences driving and any of you who have done it, Uber or Lyft or DoorDash or any of that stuff, Instacart. But so Victoria's got this meal. She, she, the, the DoorDash is telling her to just get rid of it. They don't care what she does with it. And so she goes to the Wareham Matters Facebook group and puts out, is, you know, does anybody need a meal? And she laid out what the meal was. And, you know, she's basically like, send me a private message. And it was going to be, you know, first come, first serve. Well, her, her inbox got flooded with people trying to get this free meal. And so she kind of went through some of them and found who she felt deserved it or needed it the most. And that's the thing. She said, you know, she got a lot of people that wanted it, but that didn't necessarily need it. A lot of people just saw something for free and said, I'll take it. As opposed to somebody who could actually really use it because maybe they didn't have dinner. Maybe they'd gone to work that night and forgot to bring uh, lunch and they, they didn't have any money to buy anything or what it might be. So she found somebody that was, you know, in need of it and brought it to them. But she said, you know, I wish I had a hundred more for all the people that were, that were asking. She said she's been dashing for a year and this has never happened before. So it's not like it's something that's going to happen all the time. But you can check it out at WBSM.com and on the app. And you can read a little bit more about it, learn a little bit more about Victoria. See her dog. She, she has three pit bulls that um, she says one of them is always with her when she's dashing. Because she runs a, a dog sitting service. So she's used to multitasking with dogs around. So she brings a dog with her, which is very smart. I mean, uh, uh, it, anybody going out on one of these uh, gig jobs, you know, you're always, it's always good if you can insulate yourself and protect yourself as much as you can. You know, my ex-wife was doing Uber driving before I did, and, and she had horror stories of, you know, guys that tried to pull stuff in the car. So it's not a bad idea for her to bring her dog with her. Now, your dog obviously has to be very well-trained because you've got a car full of food. But she said that people have gotten to know her because of the dogs. But you can read all about it again, and then you can comment on it on our Facebook page if you'd like. But I think that that is a, an interesting point that was made out of all this, and it came up in some of the questions and uh, some of the comments in her original post is that in, in some of the comments on the story as well, where we've shared it, how, how often does that happen? This is the first time for her, but how often does that happen that food just goes to waste? That an order is made and an order is canceled. And people who work in the, in the restaurant industry have complained about that. They've said, you know, that they, they need a better system in place for that. Other drivers have said, when that happens, I just bring the food back to the restaurant because, you know, it's up to them. But what are they doing? They're throwing it away. They can't serve it to somebody. 
I mean, you might have somebody that doesn't care that it went into somebody's car and came back and nobody knows what happened in the interim. It's like, I don't care. I'll eat it anyway. That might take it home or have it for dinner. But for the most part, it's just, it's going to get wasted. So Victoria was very reluctant at first to tell her story because she didn't want any spotlight for what it is that she did. She's like, I just, I, you know, I did what I thought was the right thing to do. I don't need an article written about me over it. And I told her, I said, well, we like to write these articles because hopefully it inspires somebody else to do something good. And already we've seen from commenters of people who say, you know, I deliver DoorDash, Grubhub, whatever. And when this happens to me, I'm going to do the same thing that you did. And I think that that's a, a, a pretty good thing to come out of that. And hopefully other people read the story and are inspired by, you know, her selflessness to do something selfless themselves. But also, like, it's amazing how greedy people are. And people that got mad because they weren't the ones that got the free meal. Or, you know, I put it out there on my own social media with a quote from her. Actually, I quoted what it was that she wrote on the group. You know, does anybody need a free meal? I kind of quoted that part of the story. And I, I immediately got messages from people that wanted a free meal. And I get it. Food's expensive. It's expensive to eat. But you can't get upset when, you know, you see this two days later and somebody else got it before you. By the way, if it was two days later and she still had it in her car, you don't want it. You, you don't want it after it's been sitting in her car for two days. And even if you did want it, you shouldn't eat it. It hasn't been cold enough. That's always the game that I play if I accidentally leave something in the car. Well, what was the temperature last night? Oh, it was 40 degrees. Well, my refrigerator is 42 degrees. So if it was 40 degrees outside, but then you got to take a little bit of uh, into account for being inside the car, it should be fine. Not always. I've had the stomach aches to prove it. 508-996-0500, or you can hit us up on App Chat on the WBSM app. We also will take your open line voicemails on the WBSM app, and we'll take a break and be back in a few moments. And back to the talk with you at 508-996-0500. You can also send us App Chat messages on the WBSM app. Uh, Nana and Rochester sent in a message uh, last evening saying it was scary seeing how he faint today on his show. Yeah, if you're, if you're unfamiliar... Uh, Howie Carr did faint on his program yesterday. Uh, I guess from what I understand, he had had some kind of a procedure in the morning before the show. And he had also, they believe, uh, contacted a virus from his grandson. His grandson is sick. And so uh, Howie was spending time with his grandson over the weekend. And they think that he might have contracted whatever the virus was that the grandson has. You know, nothing serious. Uh, but that that kind of ran him down a little bit. And so he fainted during the show yesterday. And uh, Toby Leary was already going to be jumping in uh, later on in the show because, you know, how he will sometimes do half days. And that was going to be the case. So uh, he just jumped in a little bit early and filled in. So it, I'm sure how he will be back soon. If if not today, I don't even know if, you know, I th did they say if he was scheduled to have today off? I forget. 
But um, yeah, so it was uh, it was definitely a uh, you know a suspenseful thing. They had gone they they cut to commercial and um, people were worried, but uh, they put out a, a tweet later on and said, you know, don't worry, Howie's fine, he's going to be okay, and uh, he'll be back soon. So that's about all that I know. You know, I know exactly what what they put out on social media, but that's that's always like my fear. Especially, not so much now, because uh, I'm in a much better place sleep-wise doing this show. You know, I I, tend, I generally try to get to bed before 1 a.m. And then I will get up around 7 a.m. I, I usually try to get up around 6. And I don't, I you know, five, six hours of sleep is, is all that I need for a night. That's good for me because I used to only get four nights, four hours a night. When I was working as a cook and a sports writer at night, you know, cook during the day, sports writer at night, I'd get up at like four, four in the morning, five in the morning. I would go to work, come home, take a shower. If I could squeeze one in, I would take a nap. And then I would go do whatever I had to do at night, come home, try to get to bed by midnight, get up at four or five in the morning, you know, every day. And so eventually I did get to the point where I didn't have to, to cook on the weekends. So that helped me out. But generally it was, it was rough. And so now sleeping five, six hours a night makes me feel like, you know, I'm, uh, I'm lazy. So when I was living that nonstop lifestyle, I also had the Saturday morning show. And because of the way that, you know, my sleep patterns were, my narcolepsy was a lot more prominent then. And I have what's called narcolepsy without cataplexy. So I don't close my eyes when I fall asleep. I, I mean, okay, when I go to sleep at night or I take a nap or something, I fall asleep. But when I drift, I, I close my eyes rather. But when I drift off into my little narcoleptic moments, I don't close my eyes. So I might like be sitting at my desk just staring at the screen for a couple of seconds too long. Or if I'm having a conversation with you, I will just be looking at you and not, not saying anything. And those are moments where I, those are little narcoleptic moments for me. They don't last long. They don't, um, they don't uh, really affect me. And they're not really as bad as they used to be either. But when they were bad... It was a concern. You know, they, they didn't take away my ability to drive. I just had to be aware of, you know, highway hypnosis. But they didn't they didn't say that you can't drive with this. They didn't say you can't operate heavy machinery. Not that I did. But, you know, I'd, when I was a cook, I'd work a slicer. And what I would do is anytime I was slicing something, I would make sure that I had stimulate, stimulus around me, whether it be conversation with somebody or music on the radio or something. That was the only thing I was really afraid of. But when I had the Saturday morning show, that was always my biggest fear is that I would just like zonk out in the middle of doing the show. That I would be talking about something. And just stop like that. And granted, you know, it the couple of seconds that it would happen in 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 real time, wouldn't seem like much to anybody. 
But in, in my mind, it would be like, oh, my gosh. Can't believe I just, you know, zonked out for eight seconds. And we used to have a, a, an actual auditory alarm that if you were too quiet for too long, that, you know, because we, that's how we monitored being off the air. And sometimes I would set that off and be like, oh, I'm too, too narcoleptic today to, to host the show. But that was something that always concerned me. The only time I ever really had a problem was there was a, a night when my boss at my day job had bought us tickets to see the Eagles at Great Woods at Xfinity Center. Might have been Comcast Center then, but he bought us tickets to see the Eagles. And this is like, I think the last time that they were all together, it was the History of the Eagles anniversary tour. And it was the hottest day of the year. It was so hot that the Xfinity Center had put out a notice saying you can bring up to a, up to two gallons of water each into the venue with you. When do they ever let you bring something in to the Xfinity Center? But they said each person could bring up to two gallons of water. So we stopped and we bought two gallon jugs each of water. And, and I think they even let you bring in snacks, too, because they were worried. I don't know why they were worried about people not eating, but I think they allowed you to bring in snacks, too, because I remember we stopped and got sandwiches and we brought them in. But I didn't drink. I didn't have any alcohol because I was afraid of getting dehydrated. It was over 100 degrees when the concert started. And so I drank as much of that water as I could. And I probably killed a, a gallon jug between the show and, and driving home. Got home because of traffic, probably about one o'clock in the morning, maybe even a little later, went to bed, got up, came in here to do my Saturday show at 6 a.m. And I'm glad we didn't have podcasts then. Because if you heard the show, I probably sounded like I was drunk because I was even drinking all that water. I must have been dehydrated or had heat stroke or something because I wasn't making any sense. And I was like falling asleep as I was doing the show. When I went to leave, you know, I'd get off the air at 10 a.m. And instead of normally what I would do is I would, you know, get off the air. Um, maybe in that time of the year, I'd go to yard sales because it's summertime. And I didn't do that. I crawled up on the floor, or I think I was on the couch that used to be in the conference room, but now I was in somebody's office, I, and I just had to sleep for an hour or so before I could get up and drive home because I was afraid to drive home. And again, I, I didn't have any alcohol the whole time. It was just from being out there in the sun. But anyway, so long, long story. I can sympathize with... Um, with what how what happened to Howie yesterday, and I, I hope that uh, he's back quickly, and I hope that uh, you know he's fully fully recovered from the virus that he caught from his grandson. Kids are always sick, right? Kids bring home everything from school and pass them on to us. I, my son, when he was very young, was constantly getting ear infections at school. Like he would go to school and get sick and come home and like, oh, yep, he's got an ear infection. And then my ex-wife would catch. I never got them. I, I, I don't think I've had an ear infection since I was really, really young. But I remember even then them just being painful and, and horrible to deal with. You just have that constant thump, 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 thump. 
and she's prone to migraines anyway, so it would just make make things even worse for her. But anyway, 508-996-0500. I know I went off on a tangent there, um, but at least I didn't fall asleep, right? I mean, that's that's my concern. We'll take a break. We'll be back in a few moments. If you want to call in again, 508-996-0500. We're going to be joined, by the way, by Jack Spillane in the 11 o'clock hour. We're going to turn on the light on Tuesday as opposed to Monday. So we'll do that in a little bit. But until then, it's all about you. And you can call in to talk to Tim at 508-996-0500. Good morning. You are on WBSM. Hi, good morning. How are you? Oh, fine, sir. I, I'm just calling because I'm trying to wonder what happened. I, I usually take your show so I can hear it on another day. And uh, was it last week or the week before? I missed one of the tapings, I guess, about Linda Moran. She was on your show on Wednesday, I believe, or Thursday. Uh, Friday. She comes on Fridays with uh, with another counselor. Last week, she was with Ward One counselor Brad Markey. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And I know she mentioned something about. I well, I heard. I'm trying to. I went back and I said, "It can't be." I missed the tape. Uh, something about she wanted an extra fifty dollars for something. She wanted to, and and you said, "Well, it's only fifty dollars," and I went. And that's what everybody was telling me. Do you know what the fifty dollars was uh, for? It, it sounds like what you're referring to is um, her her proposed ballot question to ask if people want to repeal the Community Preservation Act, which um, works out to the average New Bedford homeowner is paying you know forty to fifty dollars uh, in 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 a, in a surcharge onto their property taxes every year for the CPA. So for each person, you know, again, that's an average. But so say somebody's paying you know an average of forty five fifty bucks. That we got seven million dollars from matching funds for these projects over the years, so it's it's added up and it's been able to do a lot of good. So she says that people are saying that, you know, that she I think she said she heard from 127 out of 139 people that she polled, 127 of them said that they wanted to repeal the CPA, and I just nobody has called into this station to say, yeah, I want to get rid of that fifty dollars, you know, on my surcharge or whatever it might be for each individual person, but nobody's called in to say that they want to get rid of that and uh, and lose what you get and benefit from having the Community Preservation Act enabled. Oh, yeah, because right now, I mean, I, I understand her dilemma, and don't get me wrong, politics are politics, and they're going to take your money one way or the other, but I, I just can't do it no more. What is she trying to do? I'm on a fixed income. Another $50 no, no, no. on added to that. No, no. She's her, her proposal is to get rid of the CPA so that would take that surcharge off people's property tax bills. Well, so she's, 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 she's not trying to increase it. She's trying to, to take that $50 off. Now, the argument that, that critics have made is, well, there's a lot of other ways you could save money. You know, Jack Splane will talk about it when he comes in at 11, that you could save money by, you know, getting all of the... Um, the, you know, renegotiating the health insurance as the state allows for, that would save significant money. And that's something that Mayor yeah. Mitchell has pushed for because it will save, you know, millions of dollars as opposed to this, which is going to take, you know, 50 bucks off the average homeowner's, uh, you, you know, tax bill for all yeah, that you get in yeah. return. Well, to me, I mean, you know, I, I'm, I'm not complaining to the point where I'm pissed. I'm just complaining that we're on a fixed income. And when you say fixed, I mean, I realize... Today they're making more money uh, for their from their education system. I mean, us old people, come on! I'm 83 years old. Give me a break. Every time I turn around, it's always something going up. But 
Social Security won't go up. Uh, pensions don't go up. On my pension alone, I wouldn't be able to afford the rent and mine food. So I'm, you know, I'm telling myself, not another fifty dollars. I thought she wanted more money. No, no. Oh, so, 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 just to be clear, nobody is proposing increasing it. What's being proposed? She's proposing eliminating it. The argument that people are making uh, to keep it is the benefit that you get from it, and it's also something that's been that's been going on now for a number of years anyway. So you've been you've right, been so, paying so it. If we, so if we keep it, Tim, if we keep it, mm -hmm. if anybody votes to keep it. Well, there's, there won't there won't be a vote. There's the the mayor vetoed the question being on the ballot, and the um, the councilors sustained that that veto. So there won't be a vote on oh. it. Oh, the other question was real quick when you were talking to the mayor the other day. Um, something about he wants to have more police officers on the force and willing to pay them a bonus if they sign the contract for five years. Now I understand that he's not a dummy. Five years, they they got to do it, or they don't get the bonus. Did he mention what, how big the bonus would be? It's a $5,000 bonus. It's a $5,000. It's $1,000 a year. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, it's good It's good to know that somebody's I, I, out there. I, I, well, I thank you so much for explaining it because I started getting my 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 badge packed. I can't live here too much longer. <laughs> I mean, oh, again, fifty dollars on for the year would have would have been that crippling for you. Well, let's put it this way: you you endorsed, well, didn't endorse. I take that back. You mentioned a, a month ago that no, oh, it's only six dollars. You know, we can restore this. It's only six dollars. Now, was that six dollars a week? Six dollars a month? Six dollars a year? Yeah, I broke it down yeah. by the month. By the month, if you're only bringing in eighteen hundred dollars. For pension and, and 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 social security, how can we live? We're not living anymore. We're just about existing. I went shopping the other day for milk, bread, and and, and I, I was going to get hamburger. I said, "Well, forget that. I get a package of hot dogs. I can eat those all week." I mean, a whole bill come up to like, well, different things too with the soup. I mean, almost ninety ninety five bucks, and I walked out with a half a bag of food. You know. And it's crazy. I mean, the food goes up. The rent's gone sky out the door. No, it definitely, I mean, yeah, it definitely has. So you said you want to, you know, you want to be able to live. You want to be able to, to go out and enjoy things. What do you like to do when you're going out to to enjoy I yourself? I don't go out. I, I've been working since I'm 15 years old, Timmy. Tim, I swear to God, I started taking care of my family, my mom, my dad, my brother, my sister. I was 15 years old, and I got a part-time job at 15 under the table. Sure. At ninety dollars, at ninety cents an hour. My biggest raise was six, a year after that. When I turned sixteen, they gave me a dime more. I mean, I've, I've helped the city. I've never caused this city a headache. Never mind a migraine. I mean, but I mean, so so when you when you go out and, and take some time for yourself, do you like to walk around the parks? Do you like to? Nope. Do you, do you, I, I haven't been down. I have not traveled New Bedford since uh, Mitt Romney became when they voted him in. Because I never liked where Mitt Romney anyway. So, 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 you so I've never been anyplace. So you just stay home all the time? What am I going to do at 83 years old? What I mean, am I'm, I going to go with I've, what money? I, I, I feel you know bad. I feel bad that you're stuck at home all the time. No, I go out in the backyard, maybe up and down the street. Why am I going to walk through a park to see what? A bunch of animals? I've seen them when I was bringing up my kids. That's enough. 
Where am I going to go downtown? It's too expensive. You know? So where are you going to do it? 83 years old. I don't drive because I got macular degeneration, so I can't drive. I gave up my license, so I can't even drive a bike. You know? So there's nothing to do. Us old people just sit down and dwell in the way. You know, that's about well, it. I, I mean, I would recommend reaching out to the Council on Aging. They'll, they'll have somebody come and pick you up and bring you to some activities. I've got too much pride for that. No, understandable. All right, I gotta. I do have to hold you there though, because I have to take one final no, break for the you, hour. I, I thank. I thank you again for you know explaining that thing, because I was ready to pack up and leave or shoot myself. One or the other. Oh no, no, don't go that far. <laughs> All right. Well, Bye-bye. you have a good day, and. Uh, yes, it's, it's good to know that somebody's recording the shows out there just in case our technology fails. We know we can call him and say, hey, can we borrow your tape? Uh, I do have to take my final break of the hour. We will be back in just a few moments. When we come back in the next hour, it's going to be more discussion with you. And then at 11 o'clock, we'll be joined by Jack Spillane to turn on the light on a Tuesday. Um, All right, welcome back.